Hi, welcome back to Eye to Eye, a weekly podcast talk show about passion, flow, and creativity. So while the topics change week to week, the heart behind it remains the same. Glad you can make it, listeners. I'm your host, Aaron Holman, and our guest today is... Chevy PQ. Awesome. Chevy, happy you were able to be with us on the show today. Thanks for having me. Let's get started. Welcome to Eye to Eye, Chevy PQ. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. How about yourself? I'm feeling pretty good. It's a kind of rainy, overcast day, and those don't make me sad. They make me happy, honestly. So, like, I'm feeling great this morning. I feel you there. I'm going to have a barbecue later after this in this weather, so I'm excited for that. Nice. Very, very nice. That is amazing. Something I know about you, Chevy, you're very passionate about food. I'm passionate about food. Tell me about where your passion for food comes from. Passion for food, it started as a kid and having to cook for my brothers and sisters. But um, How many brothers up, and sisters? I have 12. What? And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow. That's like double the size of the Brady Bunch. Like, this is insane. Are you serious? I had no yeah, idea. I have, I have nine on my mom's side. I'm the oldest from that. And then the rest come from my dad's side. So. Wow. I had no yeah. idea. Okay, uh, so cooking for 12. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been cooking for a while now. Um, I actually had this question asked to me, when was the first time you ever stepped into the kitchen? Mm. And I remember my mom leaving me. I was about five years old, and she left me with my little sister and brother. He was like a baby. My yeah. sister was like three at the time. And she left us home alone, and we were hungry. So I walked into the kitchen, and I whipped up some mm-hmm. eggs and a peanut butter sandwich at five. And <laughs> it was all like... Well, here it starts, you know? (laughs) I was always the same way lurking in the kitchen, like watching. um, It was like my mother and my aunt, uh, they would always cook the best meals. And I was always there just like absorbing everything that they were doing. I had, my mom uh, wasn't a cook. So I had to learn from people I saw on TV or read about. And Gordon Ramsay was a big person of mine to learn from, from, because he's been on TV for I don't even know how long now. I would say but, he's um, probably the most successful, what is it, like celebrity chef? You know, like TV yeah. personality chef? He has got to be the most successful one there because he doesn't just have like the US versions of these shows. He goes and does like the Australian version and goes and does the UK version. Gordon Ramsay is amazing. What I love about him is that he's sexy for one, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And then second, um, it's not about that he just makes food. He holds standards. And Mm. people with standards are are people that I, like, really look up to. Because if you have standards and you hold by them your whole life, Mm -hmm. and that just, I don't, it makes you a better person to me. I don't know. But he just has had these standards for so many years and he's such a great guy that he has gone around the world and given these standards to other restaurants and people. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just doesn't hold out for himself. He wants to help other people kind of thing. That's why Mm. I really love him. Yeah. It's kind of like a lead by example type of thing um, from him, you know, seeing the crazy standards that he has on his shows especially hell's kitchen that's the one that like i think he has some of the craziest standards (laughs) uh 
seeing the level that he takes them all to, it does make each chef better. The ones who actually apply it and, you know, learn from what he's doing. He's not, yes, he's being mean because it's a TV show and that's pretty entertaining, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I feel like people think that they're, that he's attacking them, but he's not attacking them. He's just like, hey, I, I know you can be this great. So yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to make sure you are this great or I'm going to call you shit if you're not that great because you are being shit. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, that's just, I don't know. I feel like I do that in my own life though, too. And I learned that from Gordon because with my friends, my boyfriend, my son, I am like, I expect you to be here and I'm not going to let you be shit. And I know I might seem mean, but I hold you to this standard. Kind of thing. I, I understand what you're talking about. Um, I experience bits of that. Hmm. It is hard to understand, you know, that other people don't think about things the same way and that they don't hold themselves to these standards. You know, people can be very wishy-washy and that's their right to be. But I think what you're talking about, like sticking to standards, what it sounds like to me is having a, a spine and being like, no, I know what I'm doing. It's a choice I've made, you know? And yeah, I can get behind and have respect for people who definitely hold themselves to their own standards. I know I do it. I did it with you right at the beginning of this podcast. I was like, you have yes. to have a last name. You know, like, <laughs> even that right there. You know, it's just a simple standard. This is my yeah. format. This is how I want it done. You know, and having flexibility to let people be creative in that while still maintaining your standards is very, very difficult. Uh, Gordon Ramsay, super props to you. God, I love that guy. <laughs> I did. I actually just finished watching MasterChef. I think it was season seven on Hulu last night. Like I finished that one last night and it was really good. Uh, Sean won that season. I've only been up to uh, season five on that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really into the show. Uh, it's called 24 Hours and he goes into a restaurant and he re like, you remember um, not Hell's Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares. Yes. Yes. And so he does exactly the same thing with Kitchen Nightmares, but it only has 24 hours to get it done. But my thought is, how can something that he's doing in 24 hours have permanent change? Well, it's because it's the standards thing. He gives mm. them like all the standards, mm. all the what you need to do to make this restaurant work. And like he said, you either do it or it's not going to work. You know what I mean? Like you either have good food, cleanliness, uh, customer service, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, timely manner you get your food in. It's all about that kind of stuff. And if they can do all four of those things, then they're going to have a running restaurant. I, yeah, I can agree. So, Chevy, you mentioned it was like five years old was the first time you sort of like crafted a meal out of something. Yeah. When did you enter into it as a job? Um, let's see. I was 18. Yes, 18. I mean, how long ago was that even? Oh my gosh, that's 10 years now. You're making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting older. That's what happens. Um, okay, so it was around 18. How'd you get in? I wanted, uh, when my first job ever, I went to, I got out of school early because I got pregnant in high school. So I decided I didn't want to be uh, a chunky pregnant girl uh, walking around in the hallways. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. So I, got well, my actually, I don't, but I can relate. <laughs> Yeah. 
um, I got my GED in 08. And then I thought uh, working in an office was my thing. I thought that would be the easiest thing, good money, health benefits, all that, you know, stuff that you need to acquire as an adult. So I got my um, a certificate in um, office management mm-hmm. and I worked at the Capitol Theater um, as a receptionist there for a few years. And it was I'm back so in- jealous. Oh, it was it was really boring, but it was fun <laughs> at times. <laughs> well, I say I'm jealous because um, I do some work uh, with the Capitol, but I'll go in and I'll help load and unload the shows and a couple of other small things here and there. Very sporadic. But I promise you, I have wanted a job at the Capitol Theater for as long as I can remember. I wish I could just be employed there. I got really lucky. Um, since I grew up in foster care, you have a lot of connections. Yeah. And social workers will talk to people that they know to help you get into jobs, which what happened for me there. Wow. And I felt really blessed having that job. I was making 15 an hour. And this was back in 09. And I think minimum wage was $8. Yeah. <laughs> so... I had really good money, but I had this thing where um, I like to listen to music and I like to talk to people. I'm a talker, you know, and uh, I would go by the water cooler all the time. And they during this time, it was during the summer and they had these interns there, these really two cute boys. And so I would go and talk to them at the water cooler. And then my boss was like, you can't talk all the time. And I was like, well, can I listen to music? He's like, only on Fridays. And I'm like, this is just not for me. I was like, it's so quiet in here. I just stare at the computer. All I do is file. The excitement on my day is getting coffee for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I went out and uh, I sold Kirby's for a minute. And I was Kirby's? like, okay. Yeah, Kirby's, the vacuum. Oh, I thought you said curtains. And I was like, for windows? What's happening in your life? <laughs> okay, so Kirby, so, vacuum, got it. Kirby's was fun because I learned that I could talk to people. I sold two in one month and that made me... $2,000. And I was like, okay, I'm good for a minute. Yeah. Cause the commission's really good. Kirby's are expensive vacuums, but uh, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They can do anything. They're awesome. But cool. <laughs> I love it. you, you're starting, you immediately started to sell me on it and you're like, <laughs> let me get out the inventory. Um, super but, <laughs> so you so, found sales um, and that you have a, a gift for speaking with people. Yes. And so then I was like, um, floating around. I'm a single mom, you know, and I had got my own apartment and uh, being in foster care, I obviously got this awesome opportunity where my rent started out at $1 and then Mm. every month it goes up one more dollar Mm. and then what you would call it. So then I can get on my feet and body block. So I'm like, what am I going to do now? And I lived over um, close to a KFC. And so I needed a job that was close and I needed a job that was close to my daughter's daycare and her grandma lived right there. So it all worked out. I went into KFC and I just said, Hey, I need a job. Their interviews were so crazy that you legit had to be hooked up to mics and they recorded you. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's really weird. <laughs> what kind of CIA KFC was this? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Les Hinn, he had been working with KFC since he was 14. And so at that time he had won like three golden chicken awards at his own KFC. And he was in his fifties. Mm-hmm. So he's high up there in the KFC world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> the KFC mafia, so he, very well connected. Yes. Dude, KFC, I legit wanted to retire there when I got that job. So I got the job there. I was 18. And at this time I was a stoner. All I cared about was like smoking weed, having fun with my friends, chilling with my kid. That was it. 
Well, I'm still kind of like that, but I mean, it was more severe. <laughs> I understand where where there was like nothing without weed. I understand the yeah. stoner phase. <laughs> yeah, like right, like you you have to. I don't know, have a balance kind of. But anyways, so I kind of was really bad at my job. Um, I was slow. I I wasn't really that attentive, and um, I had a problem with silly cookies. So um, my <laughs> I love this self awareness. I love it. Keep going. Yeah. So this guy named Josh, who was because Les, our boss, was an old man. Like I said, he's been there since he was fourteen. So it was just me, Josh, and this girl Alicia that we mm. all worked together, and then Les. But Les would go into the office, eat a chicken leg, and pass out like I'm not even lying. And so he'd be passed out in there. Alicia and Josh would get mad at me because they're like, Chevy. We need your help. And I'm all YOLO, you know, <laughs> eating a cookie. So Josh says, I'll make a deal with you. <laughs> he says, I'll buy you 12 cookies at the end of your shift, every shift, and you can have a milk if you do every single thing by the handbook, like legit by the handbook. And he hands me the KFC handbook and tells me to reread it. And I said, you know, this could honestly work out for me. So, okay, I really like cookies. So I read the whole book Love and I started it. just being the model employee. Within six months, they had me in management classes, and I was a relief manager within seven months of that happening with Josh. Yeah. And it, like, totally changed my life because I realized, like, I learned how to cook the chicken in the back. I learned how to do drive through I learned how to do front of house. I learned how to do paperwork. And I was like, I love being in this restaurant. It's, like, feels good and amazing and um it was like the greatest time of my life. And I want, you can retire with KFC. You can mm -hmm. have a good life with KFC. Yeah. But life happened. Um, I ended up getting pregnant again and I was in an abusive relationship. So I left KFC and I kind of lost my uh, passion for the restaurant for a few years there. Well, actually it was just like a year. It's like, as soon as I had my son, um, I was homeless and I was living in my car with him because I wanted to get away from my ex and a, a job popped up on Craigslist for the uh, bistro of Oxford Suites here in Yakima. And mm -hmm. I went there and I, I went into my interview uh, with Stuart, Hal was his name. And I said, Stuart, I may uh, have my baby with me at the interview and I may have a broken foot, but I have this bottle of Percocet and I swear I'll give you 110%. I just really don't want to live in my car anymore. And I'm a really good employee. And I gave him my references from KFC. Mm -hmm. And he told me, I've had 11 interviews today and I'm going to take a chance on you. And I hope you don't disappoint. Wow. And dude, that guy taught me how to bartend, how to cook, how to serve, how to do everything, like the other wow. aspects of not fast food. And yeah. Yeah. I fell in love. Wow. And here I am 10 years later and working for Yun at Ozeki Sushi Bar. I don't get to do much cooking there, just uh -huh. some serving, but I don't know. I really just enjoy being in the restaurant industry. I can completely relate. I have been in the restaurant industry, honestly, same amount of time, you know, like it was one of the first jobs I ever had. I think, <clears throat> I think besides like working at fireworks stands, you know, over the summer and whatever, um, I believe my first actual job was like a smoothie king uh, down in uh, Louisiana, which is the equivalent to a Jamba Juice up here, oh, you know? And so I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was my first job. Um, oh no. I actually remember, uh, I have to, I, I lied to get my first job, I remember now. I was working at Outback Steakhouse when I was 16 years old. Why did you do that? Because I lied. 
<laughs> because I lied. Um, wow. Okay. Forgot about this. Okay. In high school, I had two friends who worked at Outback Steakhouse. They were both older than me. I was always the youngest person in my grade, just where my birthday falls in the year. I was always young compared to everybody else. And so I believe that it was my friend Brittany and Kristen. Both of them had been working at Outback, um, one of them as to-go and one of them just as a server, but they were both 18. <laughs> and I was not. They just gave me the insider information. They told me when to show up. They were like, hey, on Thursday at 3 p.m., they're starting new hiree training. You know, so show up like, 15 minutes before that with this, this, this paperwork. And I did. I showed up. And I remember I, you know, because they have to copy your social or your your license or whatever. Yeah. I handed that to them. But because of the time frame in which it happened, all they did was take it to the back, make copies and put it in my file because they were like, well, orientation is starting right now. We only do these like once a week. So like, go ahead and get sat down with the rest of the group. <laughs> oh my God. And thus I had a job because I had two friends who already worked at this Outback Steakhouse in like Alexandria, Louisiana. And I just lied my way into it. I literally started waiting tables at 16 years old. Oh my gosh, that's so cool though. Oh yeah, but I can remember standing there and the first time a guest looked at me and goes, what's the difference between like medium and medium rare? Oh. <laughs> and I remember standing there and just being like, and not knowing. I remember being 16 and just standing there and, <laughs> and thinking in my head like, this person who's asking me a question is at least 20 years older than me. I don't know anything. And I just remember I would lie a lot. I, I made up stuff, you know? I would make up answers. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, honestly, it's not just like I am you as a 16 year old doing that. I feel like that's the normal server nowadays, which is why everyone's like, why do we have to tip these people? <laughs> Very true. Very true. I just, I remember standing there in that steakhouse and just being like, how am I so unqualified to talk about food? <laughs> There's like, I know like someone asked me, can I get some uh, roofer? I said, what is a roofer? Yeah. You know, and it's blue cheese. Oh, Roqueford? Roqueford. <laughs> I don't Roqueford. even know it's still. <laughs> Roqueford. Uh-huh. The only reason I know that is um, it's old people. Old people say Roquefort instead of blue cheese, I have found. And I don't know why. I have no idea. Maybe it's a Southern thing because, like, I would hear that. I would hear that in Tennessee and stuff like that. I don't hear Roquefort up here, though. I've heard it only legit, um, mostly at the country club mm. that I used to work there. But um, I've only heard it here a couple times at Applebee's. But the first time I heard it, legitimately, from management to the cooks, Nobody knew what it was. We had to Google it. <laughs> Roofer. That's crazy. I can also remember one time I used to work, um, I lived in Nashville in my early 20s, and there's a wonderful uh, Mexican chain there uh, called Chewy's. Started out of um, Austin, Texas. Super great fresh Mexican food. But I remember working one afternoon there, waiting tables at the time, and going over and being like, 
checking in with everybody like, how's everybody doing? Anybody need anything? Any more salsa? Anything? And I remember a lady looking at me and asking me for some tapatio. In all seriousness, she asked me for tapatio. And I'm like, <laughs> would you like to sit outside or would you like some tapatio, ma'am? <laughs> To patio, oh to patio, you know. So, <laughs> just as often as we don't know what people are talking about, they also do not know what they're ordering. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> that's you gonna have to be. You have to be a salesperson to be a server. Or that's very true. It is. It is. Um, they definitely go in together. Um, I would find I was very successful at selling like alcohol and stuff like that, and the way that I would do it. It was no secret, but I would just tell people literally what was in the drink. You know, oh, like, yeah, exactly. yeah, you know, it's saying. literally what's written on the menu. But when people go, oh, what's in that Bahama Mama? And you're just like, oh, it's a mango puree topped with a little strawberry, a little rum, and a little dark rum shooter at the top. They immediately go, I want that. You know? That sounds tasty. It's like you just read that. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> what I just looked at on the menu with you. <laughs> but you said it cool, so now it's more interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know, schmoozing. I found for myself, I love working in restaurants too. There is nothing quite like being in a restaurant when it's very busy and that pressure that you have to, like, get it done, that you have to perform, that it has to be good. And then the feeling of getting through like that dinner rush, you know, yes. and it's being over and you're like, we did it. There's a sense of camaraderie there that like I really love. And I feel like it's a giant high when you're done and you're like, how we're in the weeds all night. Everybody was fighting. Everyone hates each other. And then when it's all over and you're all like, we did it and we made money. I feel like you get just a big old high off of it. You know, I agree. High off life. I agree. It kind of feels like a battle that, you know, as a group you've yeah. gotten through. I know for myself, I have achieved, I, I've been able to achieve flow, like in restaurants in a lot of ways. I've, I've worked in a ton of different positions in restaurants. Where I'm at right now is I'm a chef here at Waterfire uh, in Yakima. And oh. it's a wonderful restaurant. I've been there since November. And I fucking- Wow, a year's coming up. Yes, I fucking love this place. It's, it's really, really incredible. I go there every day and I learn something new. Um, it's challenging. It's real cooking, um, which I'm very passionate about. It's wonderful to wake up and be able to do a job that you enjoy. I think it's very yeah. important in terms of being happy. Exactly. That's how I feel. I have a cousin who always posts about how she hates her job and she's going, like every time she goes to work, she says she's going to hell. And I'm like, why? Then why are you why? going? Exactly. She's like, I have to. And I said, no, you don't. She's like, no. there's not jobs. I'm like, no, you can always, if you really, really want to make a life change, you can do it. And I feel like, I don't know. I just don't understand. I just don't understand people like that. I just can't wrap, wrap my head around. It. You know what I mean? I understand. You have a hard time relating to it. Well, yes. it sounds to me though, like you're a very brave individual, you know, from the time that I've known you a little over a year, I think, um, you're, you're a very brave person. There've been plenty of times at Game and Grog. Some of my favorite memories with you are you just being a complete fool. And I mean that in a loving way, you know? No, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, because you letting loose like that, when you do that, it gives 
like myself and others, it gives them permission to do it too. Um, and I've always really admired that about you. You have no problem letting it go. It would seem. So I listened to, um, I think this was the first podcast that you did um, with, um, and you were talking about how when you create, it's kind of like being a child or feeling like your inner childhood. Mm -hmm. And I was like, when I was listening to it and uh, I was like, you know, I've never lost that. I'm con like, I'm an adult, but I am a child. Like, yes. you know what I mean? Yes. So that's why I can act like a fool because I'm not, I don't have that filter that most adults have that they're like, I can't do this because if I do this, then I look like a fool and I'm an adult. And as an adult, I can't do that to me. I'm like, I'm just a human. You know what I mean? I am who I am and I've been been that. How do you think you got that? Um, I remember like legit um uh, since I was a kid, uh my parents kind of given me a big head maybe uh -huh. and allowed me to be that way. In what way? What do you mean they gave you a big head? When I was a kid, if I want I um legit it really sucks they were lost in a fire, but there I had probably over hundreds of uh, home videos of me. Hmm. I had I started doing talk shows like on the camera oh. when I was like three years old. Oh I'd be my all like God. and I'd be like, Mom, film me. Like there's just so many films of just me entertaining, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I got to be free and do what I wanted, and my parents never like um squash that like stop filming us or stop yeah. talking to us stop they asking really supported you wow. yeah exactly i mean my dad he legit let me do anything my mom would get mad because i'd wake up in the morning and say i want ice cream for breakfast and that's what we went to go do go get ice cream for breakfast you know um you said i remember too that uh santa claus isn't real and honestly to me he is because mm -hmm. in that magical essence i still believe in all that you know like and mm -hmm. people call me crazy for it but i just I can't let go of all that. I just, I, I don't know if my, if I'm, my brain is sick or if it's a good thing, but um, I just, um, no, I think it's definitely a good thing. I just like, I don't know. I just, to me, I feel like the adult world without magic and whatnot, it just can't be real. Like that can't be true. You know what I mean? Like, ah, yes. Touching on that. I, I can understand in my own reality. Oh yeah. There's magic. Oh yeah. yeah. There is magic because life would be gray and very flat and boring if it were just, you know, what it looks like on the surface, you know, which is like grow up and get a family job or whatever. I don't know what order they tell you to do things in because I'm not listening to that anymore. Have you seen um, Halloween Town 2 when Casbar, uh, uh, I can't remember his name. It's uh, it's Casbar. Casbar, when he cast this, his son cast a spell on Halloween Town and what they portray humans to be, and it was all like all gray. Yeah. They all had yes. business. That's what I, yeah. That's you know what I mean? So you were right. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Where everybody just started to fade away. That's what I feel like it would be without magic. Yeah. You know? So I don't mm -hmm. know. And we all just have our own magic that we find, you know, and that, that, that we love and that we experience. What are some other ways that you find that you get to either like express this childlike part of yourself? Let's see. I guess, like you said, being at the bar with Game and Grog sometimes, yeah. alcohol obviously is a factor. But honestly, sometimes um, I have bipolar. I've told you this before. Is it one or two, if you don't mind me I, asking? I two. Okay. I struggle with depression a lot because of it. 
but um, some of my most depressive times, like when I'm just laying in bed and I feel like I can't move, my mind goes crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it goes crazy from thinking like either sometimes I'll um, feel that depression and um, I'll think to myself, what did I used to do as a kid to make myself feel better? You know, mm. and I'd be like, maybe I should draw or maybe I should write or maybe I should. Um, I like this is might sound weird you probably do it too i don't know um i like to listen to sad songs and then make mm. up music videos in my head oh yeah i yeah yeah says i'm weird for it he's like i can't do that and i'm like what do you mean you can't just make up a whole another thing like i don't know a whole i can make up a whole music video in my head like i can see it i can mm-hmm. like picture it all it's just there like if that's what people do that's how they create those music videos yeah do it is correct video. yeah and so um but I've been able to do that since I was a kid. I love doing that, like just using my imagination because you can just take yourself and do anything with it, you know? Yeah. So when I'm feeling sad, that really helps me just feel like a child and be, and I can create that way too. Like um, when I wrote write comedy or something like mm-hmm. that, being depressed and stuff like that really helped. And just being able to have no filter and just say what I want like a kid does really helps. So it's like... It's a place for you to funnel that depression energy. You know, it's yeah. a place for you to like, while this thing is here and it's making me sad, I can do my best to move it into this other place and, well, try to do something with it, try to create with it. Yes. Hmm. Well, not even just create. Sometimes my brain, well, I guess I am creating, just creates on its own to make myself feel better. Yeah. It, it, it's a creation for your own self. Like creation yeah. doesn't have to be 3D, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you came up with the like whole concepts of videos and stuff. I can't tell you how many commercials. I have a knack for creating commercials in my brain, which at one point I thought maybe that's a career path for me. You know, I can do advertising and I still think I could. The reality is I don't want to because like, at some point I'd have to sell stuff that I don't actually believe in. And yeah. uh, that's what I don't want to do. <laughs> and I feel like it's nice to have that for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yours. It's yeah. your, it's your head. It, it's yours to have, and you don't have to share it with anybody else. You know, I don't know. I like having that. I know what you're talking about nowadays, especially with like, you know, all the social distancing going on. People are, um, I don't know. I'm seeing it and I feel it too. Uh, But it would seem like there's an increase of pressure for your hobbies to become your income nowadays. I see that that. a lot. And I don't know, sometimes I feel different about it. I feel like hobbies are meant to be uh, for your fun time. Like your job should be fun too, right? You should enjoy what you do and you should be passionate about it. Yeah. You also need something that's just yours. Like it's not nothing you make money from. It's nothing to impress anybody from. It's just something that you like to do, that you enjoy, that's just for you. Like mm-hmm. everyone needs that. And I feel like a lot of people are more depressed these days because they don't have that, you know? They yeah. hobbies as a job. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you make it your job, then it doesn't become a hobby anymore. It becomes your job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Chevy, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a minute, listeners. (music) 
In this day and age, it's more important than ever to invest in our local economy. If you live in the U.S., or better yet, in Yakima, luckily you can do that while treating yourself to something sweet. Isn't it time you try a little different flavor? Pikanika Candies is a Facebook shop specializing in the new Pika candy craze. They take your favorite candies, dried fruit, and even nuts and cover them in a homemade tangy lime coating. If you're ready to take it to the next level, you can ask them to season your candies with a kick of extra spice. Mm. Pikanika creates candy packages, dessert kebabs, and candy tables for your special event needs. Make sure to like and follow Pikanika Candies on Facebook. Message them directly to place orders or talk about custom packages. Stay spicy, Pika peeps. Hello, my name's Danny and welcome to Two Lads Talking, the weekly podcast where we rank a different subject each week from the worst to the best. We have Nate. Hello. And we have Zach. Hello. Get a brew, chill out tonight and do the sucky penguin. <laughs> no, it's got really warm. <laughs> <laughs> me too, now I've got me fan out. <laughs> Listen to us battle it out with subjects ranging from biscuits to zoo animals. I love the part of Nelson Mandela. Where are you from? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Check us out every Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Yeah, I don't think you understand, Dan. I lost my pants. Two lads talking. Hang on a minute. There's three of us. All right, so we are back. Chevy, on the break, we were talking about what we are currently creating. So I'm curious as to what you've been up to since the last time we've actually seen each other. Since we last saw each other, I had taken a break from comedy doing drag, just everything. And uh, I got really depressed. And so um, I reached out to uh, Sheena, uh, Sheena Hoffman. Uh, she goes to Game and Grog. She does drag too. Her drag name is Shane the Boss O'Hara Phenomenon mm-hmm. Star. That's the whole name. She's Wait, <laughs> what? She's a phenomenon and a star now yes. as well? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, let me say that name again. Um, it is Shane, the boss, O'Hara. Is, come again. Phenomenon. Phenomenon star. star. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the like, billing is me. huge. I said, I want to make sure I, I say your drag name right. And she's all like, Are you sure you want the whole thing? And I'm like, Give me the whole thing. <laughs> and I was like, This is pretty awesome. You should use that every time you go up. <laughs> that is but, um, So me and her got together, and um, we uh, both have two different friend groups, right? I don't think that her friend group too much likes me. And honestly, a couple of people in my friend group honestly don't too much like her. But me and her like each other because we see that we both aren't bullshit people. We're honest. And uh, when it comes to the drama, like we're just kind of like, I guess we're in it, but we're not in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you you just have like a similar um, outlook on like that type of thing. So we decided... uh, because uh, she's been wanting another outlet, too, since the whole coronavirus. So we decided to do a podcast, and we both like to smoke weed. We both are, like, two down-to-earth people. So we thought that we would do a podcast uh, called Blunt Thoughts with a Joint. <laughs> oh. We were going to do Blunt Thoughts with a Blunt, but we don't really smoke blunts, so we had to do the joint part. <laughs> but we wanted to do with the joint because we wanted to emphasize that when we're talking, we are smoking. It gives you a different perspective while you're smoking when you think about these kinds of things, you know? Like the other day Mm -hmm. I asked her, Mm -hmm. I was like, I watched this Dr. Phil thing and I said, what is your perspective on um, 
So say you have like four kids under the age of four, okay? And you're um, yeah. elderly and the kids will get out of their cribs in the middle of the night and go out and outside and get into things and hurt themselves, right? So then these people put yeah. uh, tops on top of the cribs, so they're kind of caged in, which is horrible. I think it's horrible, okay? I do too. Something about it just like but glorifies. then I can see though, like I told Sheena, Sheena, I can see why though that they did it. Even though it's horrible and I don't condone it, mm -hmm. I can see why. So anyways, like um, I asked a few friends and a few friends are like, you know, I, if, I can see why they did it too. It is bad, but we can see why they did it. But, but you know what I mean? Just like those random like thoughts that come across, like, is that right? Is that wrong? You know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? Just blunt thoughts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that was the best commercial ever. Um, I am down. I'm ready to subscribe. Let me know where I can listen. Yes, I think it's a great concept. I fully support it. If you need any help, let me know <laughs> off the pod. Because that sounds amazing. You have been a huge help just by listening to your podcast too. Just thank you. I <laughs> so I really appreciate you. A lot of research has gone into um, what I'm doing. And even though, yes, I took a year hiatus, I'm not going to judge myself for that any more than, I mean, people out there are already going to judge me for it. So <laughs> I don't care. You know, the first season, I mean, I'm not even happy with, you know, in terms of like, it was just so raw. I'm very happy to be back and uh, I'm happy to be able to help in any way. If you can listen and glean anything from what I'm doing, that's a testament to the research that I did on my favorite podcasts because everyone's is totally different. There are so many different kinds of podcasts. I didn't even realize until I started typing in. <laughs> Honestly, it's the new television. That's my opinion on it. You know, it's, I mean, well, I guess more accurately, it's the new radio. Because being like a disc jockey on the radio is just not a feasible thing nowadays. Honestly, that, is a, that, that has been a dream of mine. I would love to be like a, a radio DJ or something. And while I know that those things do happen, the jobs are just way less. You know, it's the same thing in journalism of any kind. It's just like those jobs are just small. They're hard to get. And there's a lot of competition for them. What I love about podcasting is that you get to just uh, create your own content, put it out there for people to enjoy. It's a really, really fun thing. It's a great outlet. I fully support y'all doing it. Blunt Thoughts sounds like Thank a great Thank you. I'm show. excited to start it. <laughs> you know what it gives me vibes of? It makes me think of um, that 70s show, which I know yes. you and Sheena <laughs> love. It makes, me think of, it makes me think of that 70s show, uh, them sitting in the circle in the basement. One thing, too, I was talking to Sheena about was like, if guys were the ones to have babies, would they grow in their balls and they could only have one baby because then the ball would end up dropping off after the baby was born. You know what I mean? Because your balls are technically ovaries. Hmm. Are they? <laughs> well, okay. Let's not show my Black ignorance. Thoughts, you know what I mean? Oh, they are. <laughs> yes. Wow. Fascinating. Um, yeah. So I guess men could only have two babies? Is that what we're saying? No, I'm saying one because, so the baby grows, right? And you're going to be bed bedridden at some point in your pregnancy because your balls are just hanging uh -huh. there with the baby in there. So then you're bedridden for, right. I think, I'm going to say like six months. And then when the baby's born, your, your oh balls just kind of just flop off for the baby to be born. You know what I mean? And then you have no more balls 
and mm. she can't have any more kids. Hmm. <laughs> See, I had in my head a, a scenario whereupon, um, I guess each individual testicle would be able to like be impregnated. And so I guess like that's how you could have oh. twins is because like one could grow in each that side of sense. the scrotum. You well, know? how far can your scrotum but go? I think further than <laughs> we know. <laughs> Speaking of how far can your scrotum go, if you're actually interested in how far your scrotum can go, um, look up penis what? puppetry. I'm excited. <laughs> what? I know. Chevy, I can't even believe you don't know about penis puppetry. There used to be, when I was a kid, um, my... <laughs> when I was a kid, I would go into like those, those, um, the high channels, like, uh, just to look for, you know, late night programming that was maybe a little raunchy or like, you know, just yeah. fucking PG porn. But like, um, I can remember one time, I think it was on like Showtime or HBO or just somewhere fucking random. Um, they had a show and I had to have been 14, 15. I don't know. But it was, it was like, kind of a theatrical production penis puppetry show like at midnight on you know showtime one night and i remember sitting there and watching look up penis puppetry i don't even know what else to tell you (laughs) (laughs) it's shadow puppets is how they do it oh like with the shadow of their scrotum right yeah, shadow of all of it. They'll oh. use all of it and twisting and bending in certain ways. It's like this is the Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you yes, know, it's gonna be awesome. And here's his <laughs> log cabin. <laughs> it's very entertaining. Before we move into our final segment of the show, is there anything else that you have that you wanted to touch on today? I wrote a quote down. I guess I could say it. <laughs> Yeah, let's hear it. I told Sheena I wanted this to be like our quote of the show, but um, I don't know who wrote it. It's mm-hmm. from someone unknown. I just got, came across it on the Facebook, but it says, shit happens. Life is tough. Drink plenty of water. Stay away from mean people. Take care of your vagina or penis. I added that part in. Listen to your gut. Nice. Learn to say, fuck you. I'm awesome, smart, and beautiful. I don't know who wrote that, but I really just like it. <laughs> it makes me feel like empowered, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Capable. I love that. Well, Chevy, we are going to move into our final sexment. <laughs> uh, sexment? Good Lord. You know, and you know what's terrible about this? is like all of this gets recorded. And so like, I have to hear my mistake later. I don't just make them once. I make them for eternity. Um, okay. So we're going to move into our final segment of Eye to Eye, and it's called Passions Lately. (gasps) Oh. (laughs) Is it you that does the uh and the uh? Uh, It's actually Emily. Emily does the uh, (laughs) and then I do the oh. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's super fun. Chevy. What are you currently obsessed with? What's your passion lately? Other than the uh, podcast with Sheena, um, I guess my passions lately have just been family, 
family and friends um, and cooking, camping. I've been camping a lot. I went every weekend so far the last three weeks. Nice. Learning how to uh, cook out in the woods uh, things other than hot dogs and hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. You got all that cast iron cooking stuff. Isn't that right? Yes, I did. Um, I have an amazing boyfriend. Uh, luckily, he didn't have to lose his job during the quarantine. So he's been making really good money and uh, investing in all this camping gear for me. We got a cast iron Dutch oven, all the cast iron like pans, and a tripod to cook over the fire. And uh, it's like amazing. I made uh, fajitas the, on Friday night when we went up camping. And I made a veggie fajita because nice. uh, my friend Clayton and my nephew are vegetarian. So, and then we mm -hmm. did um, pancakes. Fajitas are one of my favorite camping foods. Yes. I didn't even think of it though, because I've never been able to, to do it. You know? Actually cook, cook out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the stew that I did, I posted that on Facebook. That was so good. I saw that it looked beautiful. It was really delicious. Um, and then uh, Clayton did a uh, apple. Um, what is that called? You uh, apple it's turnover? Like a, no, it, you put it in the Dutch apple oven. crisp. Apple. Apple Dutch oven. I can't even think of it now. Mm, who knows? <laughs> Anyways, he put so he what he did was put a bunch of apples into the Dutch oven. He covered the top with cake mix and ginger ale, and mm -hmm. then he just put the top over and threw it in the fire. And then it was um, cobbler. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Neither of us could remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it just like popped in my mind out of nowhere. Um, but uh, being with my friends and family have just been uh, really um, something that I've been passionate about. Uh, sometimes I feel like my friends are dumb because they're a lot younger than me. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't, does that sound I, mean? <laughs> I understand what you're talking about. Um, like a lot of them are figuring out... Um, one particular, I won't name any names. They're just, they don't understand like sometimes keeping bad people in your life isn't always the best for you. And that when you're growing as a person, sometimes you have to let go of people that won't grow with you. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Um, that's hard. But it, the thing is, it's like when I was their age, I was the same way. Like you're yes. wrong. <laughs> yes. yes. So I, I always tell them, I give them my advice and stuff like that. I said, you're not going to follow what I'm saying, but the thing is I'm going to keep yelling at you till I'm blue in the face because I care. So always yeah. just know that I say these things because I care. That it's makes not, a lot of sense. Not because I'm a mean person. Like a lot of my friends, they, they deal with a lot from me and I appreciate them because I am bipolar. Sometimes I'll legit like on the camping trip. I just <laughs> was at, it was the last day. Everyone was being slow and I just like snapped and I was like, I can't lift heavy things because I'm pregnant. And yeah. I was like, you all need to get up and you know. Yeah. Congratulations on that. We haven't even talked about like the, the very act of creating that you're doing. Oh, <laughs> like, I'm creating right a human. <laughs> creating a human right now. Congratulations. Um, being pregnant, um, honestly, I hate it. I'm not of one course. of those ladies that are like, being pregnant's amazing and wonderful and yeah. blah, blah, blah. I feel my baby's heart. <laughs> <laughs> I've been feeling my little one move a lot lately. And I was like, how can I, because I'm, I'm in the beginning of the second trimester. And I was like, how am I being able to feel that, right? And I Googled it. Apparently, after you've had a couple kids, the movements, they can move, you can feel them earlier. Um, for some, maybe because the other babies uh, just kind of made room. <laughs> yeah, made room in there. So now 
this guy's all like fluttering around everywhere. You know? That is so funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, being pregnant has uh, been horrible. Hated it, but um, I'm excited to be unpregnant and meet my little creature. Um, mm. That's that's like what I just keep my mind on. It'll be over soon enough, and then I'll have a human, <laughs> and I can love and cuddle it. I like babies. Babies are my favorites. When they turn two, that I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that makes sense. Um, Chevy, you've been a wonderful guest today. Uh, I'm wondering, do you have any social media, anything you want to promote or shout out? Um, I have uh, Facebook. Uh, you can find me on there, uh, Chevy PQ, or my Snapchat is also Chevy PQ. And Instagram is also Chevy PQ. <laughs> So, I like it. Consistency across the board. <laughs> I'm kind of easy to find. You know, I have the name of a truck and then add a PQ on there. <laughs> Very good. And now we're moving into the final question for the pod. What's the last thing that's happened to you that has made you purely happy, Chevy? Um, I have to say last night, Brandon made lasagna and strawberry shortcake for dessert. And honestly, I was just in heaven and I didn't have to get out from the bed or anything. Oh, (laughs) gosh, that's nice. There is nothing quite like a home cooked meal just for you. I exactly. And I'm having it for breakfast this morning, too, because there's leftovers. (laughs) So I'm just I'm in a happy mood from all that. (laughs) That's love. I love it. Well, Thank you so much for joining me on Eye to Eye today, Chevy, PQ, and thank you listeners for being here with us. Now go outside. We'll be here when you get back. This episode of Eye to Eye was edited by Dylan Newman and the theme song written and performed by Emily Easley. Make sure to rate and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy podcasts today. Podcast today.